You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. You know, I got to be honest, I'm a little surprised how much anti-schedule news there was yesterday. People get excited about the dumbest stuff. You know, I've, I've railed against the excitement over uh, rookies signing their contracts, right? And Maybe it's not as much excitement as I as I think it is, but I see it all over Twitter. Like, whoa, check it out. So-and-so signed a contract for this much money. It's like we literally know how much they're going to sign for before they're even, you know, like the second they're drafted, it's like, oh, this is how much he's going to make. And 100% of the guys that get drafted are going to sign their contracts. But the schedule release is kind of a big deal. Who we play and when we play them, in what order... Uh, when the bye week is, um, how many primetime games there's going to be. And there's, there's a lot of really good information that comes out, but I saw so much like, this is stupid, nobody cares. Like, let's just get to the games. I think it was JJ put up a poll, like, do you actually care? And I really thought like 95% would be like, yes, of course I care. It's a stupid question. It was like 50-50. <laughs> I don't know. I was stunned by that. I guess people don't care, which... Is disappointing because that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the schedule. And no, I don't, I don't usually, that's not how I actually say it. I'm saying it to be stupid. I apologize if that's how you actually say it, the stupid way. But um, we're going to talk about the schedule. That's right. S-C-H makes S-K because it's English and there are no rules, at least no good ones. So there. Uh, before we get there, it is worth noting Jerry Judy has been arrested. You know, it's it's interesting because I was looking at some data that came out. It was it was a while ago when I was looking at uh, the heck is it? I told you right after the draft, just complete name dump. I don't remember anybody's name. Jamison Williams, the Alabama wide receiver. I remember looking at um, some information that somebody had said, and I think they kind of just said it off the top of their head. But I went back and looked it up, and it was correct. And that is. If you get 1,500 yards in the SEC, you're a good wide receiver. And it turns out, if you get 1,300 yards in the SEC, at least since, I don't know how far back I went, but I went pretty far, 2015-ish, something like that, that's held like completely true. The problem is, pretty much all those guys, you know, with the exception of a couple LSU guys or whatever, it's pretty much just if you get 1,500 yards and you go to Alabama, um, you're going to be a good wide receiver. The problem is... If you are an Alabama wide receiver, you also have been having some issues as of late. Henry Ruggs was drafted. Jerry Judy was drafted. Both of them, as of right now, are in prison. Now, I don't know how serious this actually is. I, you know, there's 
he did get arrested and he's going to go before a judge and something's going to happen, but um, maybe it's minor. I don't know, but I don't know. I, I just, I don't, I don't really understand it. Some, somebody's got to talk to, I mean, there's, I don't want to say I feel bad for these guys because depending on who we're talking about, there's some really serious allegations. And again, I don't know what Jerry Judy did. So I don't even want to approach saying I feel bad for him in terms of not acknowledging that he maybe did something wrong. However, I can't help but feel like there needs to be some kind of resources for these extremely young guys. I'm, how old am I, 35? I'm not positive anymore. I really stopped paying attention by the time I hit like 28. I don't remember anymore. It's, it's just not important information. But rough, let's say I'm roughly 35. I don't know. I'm barely starting to figure this thing out. Life. What I'm supposed to do, what I'm not supposed to do. I don't even necessarily want to say right and wrong, but the ability to see right and wrong and want to do the right thing and not want to do the wrong thing and understanding why and um, just, just, just a lot of things that go along with life that you just kind of learn along the way. These guys don't know any of that. Again, I, I, I don't want to overly make excuses, but I can't help but feel like these guys in particular, I mean, everybody, young people should have better resources. I mean, I, I think the way that we handle, I want to get too deep on it here, but the, the, the way we handle people, young people in general, is stupid. Basically, we treat people like kids until the point when they're adults, and then it's like, all right, go be an adult. It's like, well, how are they supposed to go be an adult? You've treated them like a baby their entire life. I mean, we baby basically adults, right? You're 18 years old. You still live with mommy. You've barely had a job. You don't know anything about how to do anything whatsoever because nobody teaches you or tells you or gives you any responsibility whatsoever. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, go be free, you know, go to college, go do this, go do that. And um, I don't, I just, you're just expected to go. And that's why everybody's 20s is just a complete disaster. (laughs) But fortunately for me, I had limited resources and limited visibility. I can't even imagine if I had $10 million in my bank when I was 20 years old. It's not an exaggeration to say I don't know if I would be here right now. I was cutting it close on several occasions with like 500 bucks in the bank. I was finding ways. And it's not just, you know, with doing crazy stuff. It's, it's people too. And again, I'm not trying to blame the victim here. But the people that you associate with makes a difference. And again, it's not until you get a little bit older that you realize, yeah, probably shouldn't have as many of these people in my life, probably should have more of these people in my life. In my case, it's basically the same people. We all just grew up. <laughs> but it, it, the point is, I think a lot of these guys are 20-year-olds the same way we were 20-year-olds. They just have a lot more resources to make a lot worse decisions than we ever could have. And there's a lot more people in their life, and there's a lot worse people in their life, and there's a lot crazier stuff that they can do. And just the insane rate at which you see these 21-year-old, 22, 23-year-old kids, and I, I, I shouldn't call them kids because they've basically been adults since forever, but we haven't treated them like adults until suddenly they become, you know, okay, here's millions of dollars, go be responsible. Like, I don't know, man. Again, fully responsible for their actions. I just think maybe some entities, some people, whether that's their parents, football teams, whatever, I mean, granted, if you draft a 22-year-old, they should be much more mature than they are, but 
in society, that's not the way we do stuff anymore. I mean, back in the day when you were 13, you were basically an adult. Today, you're 25 and you're still like an infant. You still live with mommy and daddy. You got like a part-time job, play video games all day. You're a child. And then you just figure it out. And again, we pick on the 25-year-old, but where's mommy and daddy that's been pushing them since they were 12 years old to start treating them like an adult? They haven't done it. But we're going to dump on the 25-year-old. We're going to make fun of, quote-unquote, millennials. Sorry, it's millennials' mommies and daddies that have been doing it wrong. By the way, millennials are old now. I'm a millennial. We're old crotchety people that don't like young people. Update your terminology. Anyways, moving on. Again, if it comes out that Jerry Judy did some horrific stuff, please don't think that I'm trying to excuse him. I'm just saying maybe we should try to get out in front of some of this stuff. That's all I'm saying. Preventative maintenance, if you will. All right. Well, let's just read through the schedule as it is. Starting with the preseason. Week one at San Francisco. Week two is at home against the Saints. Week three is at Kansas City Chiefs. Then the regular season starting on 9-11. We open the season away at the Minnesota Vikings followed by home against the Chicago Bears, then back on the road against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, then back home against the New England Patriots, home against the Giants, home against the Jets. That is a pretty solid stretch. We'll get into the analysis in a minute. Away at the Commanders, at the Bills, at Detroit, home against the Cowboys. I was wrong about that yesterday. I don't know if I read it wrong or if they wrote it wrong. I don't know. Then home against the Tennessee Titans, on the road against the Eagles, on the road against the Bears, and then we get our bye week late in week 14. A lot of people seem pretty excited about that. I think that's pretty solid bye week. I saw something just as I was going through here that people are upset about it. I didn't see anybody upset about it. but Um, Week 15, after the bye week, home against the Rams, then we're on the road against the Dolphins, Uh, and then the final two games, home against the Vikings, home against the Lions. So the Packers um, will be playing... On Christmas this year and on New Year's, they play on December 25th, week 16 at Miami. And then uh, the very next week is New Year's, so New Year's Day against the Minnesota Vikings. No Thanksgiving, though, so they get that. I would say I feel bad for the players, but I mean, we all feel that. I'm not looking forward to telling my wife that the Packers play on Christmas Day, are you? (laughs) So, sweetheart, um... About our plans on Christmas, I'm thinking maybe we get up real early, do presents. It's a noon game, obviously. And then, you know, I'll make a really great Christmas breakfast. And then, uh, you know, we'll sing Christmas carols or I mean, literally anything in the world that you want to do. But um, come 12 o'clock, what say we end Christmas? <laughs> Just for like roughly three hours. I don't know. I'm not a fan. Not a fan. A lot of people get in trouble on Christmas, and I'm going to be one of them. But it is what it is, man. That's why, by the way, if you're struggling with that, here's, here's a pro tip. Start a podcast. Now, granted, it's going to get you in even more trouble to start with, but if you ever start making any money, and you can call it like a job, it's my job, dude. I don't have, I, what, what do you want me to do? I cannot, I, I physically can't miss football games. It's my job to watch this game. See what I'm doing there? You see that? Podcast blog, anything that generates revenue. Go start a YouTube channel. Once you start making enough money, you can call it a job. You are obligated to watch every single game. I'm just saying. Pro tip. Call it a, call it a bro tip. <laughs> but all right, let's, let's take a look at it now. Um, 
going back through it a little bit more with a fine-tooth comb, I had somebody reach out to me and say week one against divisional opponents should be banned. Um, and I think I understand that because everybody's kind of come to the conclusion that week one is still preseason. Packer fans in particular um, feel that way because we tend to put less effort into the preseason, which means we come out maybe a little bit more flat than other teams week one. And so there's sort of a conflict there where on one hand you look at it and say, eh, it's the preseason. On the other hand, this is a really important game with serious playoff implications, which really, I don't know that it's the schedule maker's fault. I think this comes down to NFL teams like the Packers and looking at them saying, you see Minnesota on the schedule. In fact, if I was the schedule maker, if I was that league office, I would make sure it was mandatory. I'm doing teams like Packers Vikings week one all the time. Why would I do that? Because I'm tired of teams not trying in the preseason. You put out a garbage product in the preseason, and then as, as an effect, put out a garbage product on week one of the regular season, and I'm tired of that. You're ruining our product. Stop doing that. And so, again, yeah, you, you've got good reason. You don't want your guys to get injured. I get it. If you're willing to risk losing to a rival that is fighting for that number one seed in your own division as, you know, trying to win the North, you want to risk that to keep, you know, your entire offensive line, your top two running backs, your quarterback. You want to keep all these guys healthy. You want to sit Rashawn Gary and Preston and Kenny. You want to sit all these guys. All right, that's on you. I think one of the benefits of this year as opposed to previous years is there's so many guys we're going to be leaning on. I mean, I've talked about how as rookies generally, we redshirt pretty much everybody, if at all possible. You know, maybe not that first round pick, but, you know, possibly some of the other guys. But when you look at our, for example, wide receiver situation, those guys are playing in the preseason. You know, Rodgers is not. That sucks. But pretty much all the wide receivers, with the exception maybe of Lazard, because, I mean, why? He's important, but also we want more snaps for the other guys, and also you don't need it as much. So let's give the other guys as many reps as is humanly possible. So whereas the Packers are going to be sitting a lot of guys, um, Christian Watson is playing. Sammy Watkins is probably playing a good amount. Amari Rogers is going to be playing. Romeo Dobbs and Samori Toure are going to be playing. Preseason is going to be so much fun. I love the preseason because I, I really like these guys. And plus, I know that there's a good chance this is the most I'm going to be seeing them all season, depending on, you know, again, who exactly we're talking about. But this season in particular, I mean, you, you've got Jordan Love, who I still, I still like him. I still want to see him. So he's going to be playing a ton. And then again, him with Christian Watson and Amari and Sammy and Romeo and Samore, along with some of these other guys, pretty excited about it. On top of that, we got a bunch of offensive linemen that I'm excited to see, you know, and, and it's not just the rookies. I mean, you, you've got people fighting for jobs. So we're going to see Royce. Uh, we may see a good amount of Josh Myers, but probably not coming off injury. We want to make sure he's fine and he's already won the job. So what's the point, I guess? But maybe even John Runyon, if that's not fully established, I'm starting to think more and more that it is. I was looking at some of the data that SIS has, just kind of poking around with it a little bit more, and they like him even more than than PFF does. From their perspective, and again, the the stats are not, um, it's not like PFF, and, and maybe it is, and we're just reading PFF wrong, but you know, PFF grades is kind of like, this is how good they are. A lot of the stats and stuff that they have over at SIS, it's not a stat that says this is how good they are. They're they're a little bit different than that. Um, but still, 
run blocking even. They had John Runyon near the top. So I, I, I got to kind of look into it a little bit more, and I, I kind of want to reach out to SIS and be like, kind of catch me up to speed a little bit in terms of how you would verbalize what this stat is telling me. Because um, I can kind of get there, but I, I, if they have a better way of, of putting it, I'd be interested in that. But, um, yeah, I, 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 know, I know PFF says he's a great pass blocker, and it's hard to bench a great pass blocker. And um, if you listen to Coach Hahn talking to JJ the other day, he's a huge fan of John Runyon. Um, so that may be somewhat established. But, you know, Yash is going to play. Sean Ryan is going to play. Uh, Zach Tom is going to play. Obviously, Rasheed Walker is going to play along with a bunch of the other guys that we don't know a ton about. But Caleb Jones, George Moore, Cole Schneider. See a little bit of that Cole Van Lannan action. And of course, hopefully this dude is still around. The six foot nine, three hundred and seventy pound Caleb Jones. I just want to see that in action. Whatever that action is, I want to see that action. <laughs> um, Tyler Davis, everybody's going to be excited about. I, I'm not. I haven't bought into the Tyler Davis stuff, but uh, JJ kind of caught me up to speed about how much hype there's been. Apparently, Aaron Rodgers made a comment about you know there was like one throw where he did a good thing, and then Rodgers was excited about it and said something, and then. Uh, Gutekunst said some stuff or whatever. I don't know. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, if, if, if the guy knows what he's doing, great. He clearly graded out. Um, both SIS and PFF agree he's a pretty good blocker. Pass blocking and run blocking, which is important. As a receiver, not so much. PFF grades, not great. SIS stats across the board were pretty much all negative. Um, but again, if, if everybody likes him, maybe they see something as far as potential and that'll continue to grow because obviously he has not had a lot of opportunities. And so they, they can kind of see the, they can see that thing that he has that, you know, if they put a little bit more resources into him, he's going to be special. So as of right now, I don't have anything to go off of based on his performance last year that would tell me that he's going to be really, really good, but there's a lot of hype and uh, we'll get a chance to see him a little bit more. Um, you know, Kylan Hill, Patrick Taylor. I'm getting kind of off into the weeds a little bit, but I'm, I'm just going through the guys that I'm really excited to watch because I really like them. On top of B.J. Baylor and Tyler Goods, I always like watching the running backs because, as I said before, the, the crazy thing about running back, even the undrafted free agents are good running backs. Like, the, there's always some guy who is, like, one of the better SEC running backs out of Tennessee or something. Like, how is he undrafted? Like, I don't know, man. That's just what happens with running backs. The guy's got 4.5 yards per carry in a tough division and whatever. He just, he's just a dude that does a good job running the football. Nothing super elite about him. And um, he'll probably go to a team and he'll contribute and he'll be fine. It's just, it's such a weird thing. And then you get into a system like Green Bay and you start to wonder why you bother drafting a quarter uh, running back at all. If you get an offensive line that starts to get that cohesion, that starts to block really well, you can get one of those undrafted guys that, again, doesn't have anything super special about them. But if they can see hole, run through hole, good to go. And that's where you start to see the, the Patrick Taylors and the Kylan Hills and the B.J. Baylors and the Tyler Goodsons that just, they do a great job. Um, but yeah, and then defensively, we're probably going to see a bunch of Devontae Wyatt, which is fantastic. And by the way, again, one of those things where if we don't see them a lot, like if Quay Walker basically isn't playing, that is a fantastic sign that he's already one of the premier players and we have to protect him. We're more, he's, he's crossed that threshold into, it's more important than we protect him than it is that we get them reps, which means they're up to speed enough that we're comfortable not putting them on the field. I doubt it happens, but if that happens, which is possible, watch out for that. But 
Quay Walker, probably going to see a decent amount in the preseason. Devontae Wyatt, probably going to see a bunch in the preseason. Kingsley Enigbar, excited to see that. And the cool thing is, if these guys really are up to snuff, they're going up against a bunch of number twos and threes. They should be winning a lot. And that, that'll be fun and exciting to watch. And, and the further point is, these guys are practicing. These guys are getting up to speed. And these guys are probably going to be playing a decent amount on week one. So there is going to be a, a, there are going to be a pile of guys that are practiced up. Not the majority of the team, and it's, it's probably a, a minor point, especially when you deduct the fact that the Vikings have a similar situation with some guys playing. But at the end of the day, it's, it's still going to be relatively equal because the Vikings are following a similar path that the Packers are. So as unfair, quote-unquote, as it is that the Packers are going up against a division rival when they're not ready, and the Vikings aren't ready either. And it's your job to be ready. So, I mean, no excuses. Be ready. Go play. Well, I don't want guys to get hurt. All right, then risk losing week one and then fighting for your life at the end of the season, trying to not lose the division. I mean, it's the NFC North. You're probably comfortable enough that even on some kind of a fluke thing where the the Vikings end up winning the division, we're still going in the playoffs, right? Pending an Aaron Rodgers injury, we're basically a lock for the playoffs. I'm just I'm just going to say it now. I know people are, are freaking out because Devontae left or whatever kind of craziness, but outside of an Aaron Rodgers injury, I just don't see any scenario in which we don't get into the playoffs at all feels impossible to me but it still would sting week one so we, we've got to be ready for that now we've already talked about the vikings so there's not um a ton to really dig into i will say that they're not quite at the same level of guys that are probably going to be you know playoff playoff what am i talking about that are, that are going to be you know you're going to see them in the preseason and they're going to start i mean ed ingram maybe second round pick that they drafted to play uh, on the offensive line is probably going to be playing in the preseason and playing on the offensive line to start the season they can't stand their right guard they probably drafted ed ingram and he's already the <laughs> the right guard right now um but otherwise i mean you got seen in booth i mean those guys are going to be playing and practicing and they're going to be out on the field but you know more or less that's it i mean you got some rotational guys that might play. I mean, there is wide receiver Jalen Naylor, uh, but he's a sixth round pick, and the, the wide receiver or the, the Vikings like to run two wide receivers a lot, which is Thielen and Jefferson. So I think more so the Vikings are going to be unprepared from the preseason as compared to the Packers. Might be a negligible difference, but um, I don't know, whatever. And then, uh, you know, week two, and, and that is on the road, which, you know, is never super great. I mean, if you if if you if you're gonna get that somewhat of a of a disadvantaged week one, it's gonna help the Vikings that it's at least at home. But I don't I don't know, man. It's gonna be interesting how that game plays out. The, the biggest thing that makes me nervous is the Packers offense trying to get into a rhythm. I, I trust that the offense is gonna be solid. I like the idea that Rodgers has to spread it around, and we have a lot of different styles of weapons, and I think that they're going to start to build some cohesion between the running backs, tight ends, wide receivers. It's going to start to build over time. I think the offensive line is going to start to gel over time, but um, even the defense, I mean, we, with the pieces we've got, I think a lot of people have acknowledged that it's really going to come together into something great. I don't know what what kind of a product we see week one, though. Granted, the the, the Vikings team as a whole isn't super great, but we know their offense is going to be pretty much ready to go. So that'll be kind of the big test in my mind in terms of the Vikings offense and the Packers defense and, and how ready is this defense. And I, I have, I have you know, relative confidence. You know, Jair, whatever he is, you know, whether we think that, you know, his, his 2019 season being the number one corner in football or 2020 season, 
is indicative of just who he is, or, you know, maybe that was a little bit overinflated. Regardless, he's a good corner. Now, are they going to shut down Justin Jefferson? Probably not very likely. But you got Rashawn, and we know he's ready to go. And you got Preston, and you got Kingsley, and you got Kenny, and you got Devontae Wyatt, and there's going to be some pass rush. And we know we got Devondre, and I, I trust that Devondre, even if he's not number one in the NFL or whatever, like he was last year, number one, number two, again, similar to Jair, I still think he's going to be good. So I trust the defense enough that at the very least, I hope we're not going to see what we saw with the Saints where things just spiral out of control, where it was like simultaneously the worst defensive performance and the worst offensive performance from the Packers all year by a mile. But um, yeah, I guess I guess some slight concern. But the benefit is week two on the road against Chicago because I just don't think Chicago has anything. And again, we don't need to really dig into it because we already did, but um, yeah, I, I, you know, I can conceivably see the Vikings winning the game. No question about it. You know, if, if the Packers come out a little bit flat and the Vikings don't, with their offense, uh, you know, we know that they can put up points, no question about it. And they've got some pieces on defense. You've obviously got the Zadarius piece, which is, I mean, man, if we lose and Zadarius has a big game, that's going to be a really tough pill to swallow. I mean, if they win and Zadarius even has one sack, it's going to be brutal. But yeah, if that if that Daniil Hunter and Zadarius combo is a problem for our offensive line and we have a hard time protecting Aaron Rodgers and, you know, he's not feeling comfortable in the pocket with young receivers and guys that are not up to speed and obviously no Devontae uh, relief valve and the defense isn't quite where it needs to be yet. Of course, there's an easy path to see the Vikings winning that game. The Bears, though, what are they going to do? I mean, yeah, okay, Packers implosion. All right, great. So the Packers are struggling with what, though? What with Against what pass rush? Struggling to block who? Struggling to run against who? One of the worst run-defending linebackers against a garbage defensive line? Oh, yeah, that seems tough. Some tough sledding there. I mean, again, the, the Packers coming up flat and Justin Fields kind of figuring it out. And again, even if he figures it out, which is unlikely, considering they didn't upgrade the offensive line or the wide receivers or the tight ends or anything that could help a quarterback. But let's just say he's having a better season. How much better could he possibly be? And what's he going to do? You put Aaron Rodgers on that team, I don't know what they're going to do. Again, I, I've even said that we're going to struggle against Minnesota if Aaron Rodgers you know, back-to-back MVP Aaron Rodgers, if he doesn't have a very good offensive line and doesn't have rapport with his receivers yet. That's Justin Fields' entire career right now. Bad offensive line, no protection, no receivers. I mean, that's just his reality. It's not a matter of, you know, how long they're going to take to figure it out. There's no figuring it out. There's nothing to figure out. It's a, it's a sucky unit. So, you know, it is what it is, but September 18th is a Sunday night game, and um, I just think it's going to be a good day, man. I'm already to the point because, again, this is my job. Uh, Sunday night means I take the next day off. Monday night means I take Tuesday off, and Thursday night means I take Friday off. I don't have to. I could just take a little bit of, you know, a couple hours in the morning, but I choose not to. I do what I want. So that's what I got to do. I got to go through and see how many days off I get. This game is going to be great because we're going to smoke the Bears, and then I don't go to work on Monday. It's going to be glorious. However, after that gloriousness, and, and here's the thing, I see this, and I'm, I'm not predicting a week one loss necessarily, I'm just saying I can see that, but Chicago is a perfect get-right game. Chicago is the game where even if we win against Minnesota, you can see where there's going to be some kinks and some things that are not quite gelling right with the offense and with the defense. Chicago is a great opportunity for things to start to, to come together. 
it's a good confidence building game. I'm so sorry, Chicago Bears fans. I know that sounds brutal, but it is what it is, man. You guys are a doorstep this this season. I mean, you guys are there to be a punching bag. It's not your year, right? Better luck next year. We'll see how this goes. You know, best of luck to your your front office to figure it out and and all that stuff. This is not a good year for you. And and if I see any bragging on social media, I'm going to bury you. Because if you know, if if you're going to acknowledge it, I mean, just just own it, man. I'm I'm there with you. I I get it. I'll sympathize with you, empathize with you, whatever whatever the right one is. The one where I don't understand it, but I'm sorry for you because I'm a Packer fan and I've never lived that. But um, which whichever one that is, I think it's sympathize. I can never remember. But if I see any, you know, Justin's gonna tear it up. We're gonna win the North. Any stupidity like that, you, you I mean, you know what you're walking into, and you deserve all of it. But the point is. We need that because after that, we go on the road against Tampa Bay. And regardless of what Tampa Bay is, and I, and I think Tampa continues to get worse. I mean, it's just, it's just a natural evolution, right? They won the Super Bowl. Once you win the Super Bowl, everybody gets more expensive. You start losing guys. They went all out and were able to bring pretty much the entire team back last year, which was a major feat. But the whole point was, this is something you never do because it's suicide. But we're assuming this is Tom Brady's last dance, so we, we're, we're going to do it because who cares if we have to completely blow this thing up next year. The problem is Tom Brady came back this year. And they didn't lose everybody, but they lost some serious pieces. Uh, Jordan Whitehead, the safety, was a big one. I was talking about that during the draft that I thought maybe they would draft a safety to replace him would make a lot of sense. Um, they did not. So uh, they lost their really talented, strong safety and did not replace him. So you got that. Um, they lost... Well, I mean, I guess they did go out and get some guys in free agency, but I don't know if it's necessarily one-to-one. In fact, I know it's not. Keanu Neal is a big name, but the dude is not the same. Um, Ali Marpet, I believe, retired. Alex Kappa left. That's their guard and center. Or no, I'm sorry, both guards. They didn't draft any guards. Did go out and get Shaq Mason. That was a big get. But um, I think Ali Marpet and uh, Alex Kappa are both better than Shaq Mason. So they went down a little bit in one of the guard spots and just lost the other one. I'm not going to go through the whole roster for every single team, but the, the point is they lost a lot of guys. I mean, at, at some point it comes to an end. And Tom, uh, Rob Gronkowski, gone. Adama Kinsu, gone. Steve McClendon, gone. Jason Pierre-Paul, gone. O.J. Howard, gone. Uh, Andrew Adams, Richard Sherman, Pierre Desir, Kevin Minter, Darren Fells, Josh Wells, Ronald Jones, Ryan Griffin. Uh, let's see, who else? Uh, Le'Veon Bell, John Hurst. A couple other guys that I, I don't even know who they are, so it's not worth mentioning. But I mean, th- those are a lot of really big names. Some of them, granted, it's not like they're at their peak. You know, Richard Sherman is not peak Richard Sherman. Rob Gronkowski is not peak, peak Rob Gronkowski and Dominican Sue, Jason Pierre-Paul, et cetera, et cetera. But they're all pretty big role players. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where, okay, it's not peak Rob Gronkowski, but how much does the team hurt by not having him? It hurts. And Dominican Sue, same thing. It hurts because the guy that's behind him, not the best. And so, yeah, Tampa still has a good offensive line, a very good offensive line, arguably one of the best, but they are hurting at that left guard spot. Um, the defensive line is just not as good. They still have Vea, who's a monster. They still have Shaq Barrett, who's a pass rush monster. Um, still have that great linebacker duo, but you know, they're, they're, they're starting to see the holes, right? That, that strong safety spot did not get filled. You can say it did if you want, it didn't. So still a scary Buccaneers team, no question. Not quite as good. Um, they took they took a pretty big step back last year in terms of just how good they were. 
And that was with the same unit. You got to understand that this was the same exact team and they just were not as good. And I think you see something similar this year where even if the entire crew came back, there's still another, maybe another half a step back, maybe not as drastic of a step back because, you know, years in which you win the Super Bowl are kind of inflated to begin with. But you've got sort of a natural step back on top of losing some pieces. And I also know this is really stupid, but I'm, I'm kind of halfway expecting Tom Brady to take a step back, which is the crazy thing is Tom Brady was at his best starting about 2015. That's when, that's when he's been at his best in his entire career. If you look from 2001, just looking at PFF grades, from 2001 to 2014, he's had two times in his career where he graded in the 90s, two. 2012, he had a 90.1. 2007, he had a 93. That's it. Since 2015, 91, 95, 94, 90, then he had a 79 in 2019, and then 93 and 91 with the Buccaneers. This is becoming a thing where this is such a mental game for him. But I do think at some point, everybody has to decline a little bit. And, and the fact that he retired and then decided to come back, I just think that there's, I really think there's something to that. Because when you just make the decision to retire, there's a realization and a desire to do it. And, and Grant, you know, again, there's that pulling in either direction. I talked about a little bit with, with Aaron Rodgers where, like, I really, really want to retire. And I really, really don't want to go through the grueling process of, you know, the NFL and the training and all that stuff. But I also really, really can't imagine my life not being a football player. I can't imagine not having the competition. I can't imagine not having the camaraderie in the locker room. I can't imagine not walking out of a stadium and hearing the screaming fans. But you start chasing one while all those other things are, are also there. And I, I just think it's going to have somewhat of an impact. I'm not saying bad season, but if he doesn't have one of his 90 seasons, if he's at that 79, 80, 83, 84, 85, whatever, wouldn't be surprised at all. Because there's always going to be a fraction of him that I think stays retired, even if it's 5%. And for Tom Brady, that makes a difference because the reason he's so good all the time is because he is so psychotically laser-focused. And if that, if that breaks even a fraction, where there is 1% of his body, mind, soul, spirit, and demonic possession that is not totally engaged in football, I think that affects him. But we will see. Either way, it's tough sledding. And, and this is going to be, I think, our first true test of, did we make the adjustments we need to win a Super Bowl? Because the, the biggest thing for us is, we need to know that we have that dominant defense, right? I mean, that, that's, just, that's just a factor. We had it last year, no question about it. Still didn't necessarily help us win, but you need the pass rush. You need to, to be able to make sure that teams aren't running up the score on you. I'm not saying we have to shut them out, but if they get up, you know, 27, 28, 29, 30 or more, I mean, that's just, that's just you're just a team. That's not a dominant defense. If, if Tampa gets 15, 16, 17, you know, 20 or less, that's a, that's a dominant defense against that Tampa Bay offense. But then the other question, do we have the offensive line we need? Do we have the cohesion, the, the ability to pass the ball? Does Rodgers have somewhere to go? You know, do we look like a football team? And, you know, it's still week three. There, there's, there's the possibility that the answer is no. And obviously Tampa, the guys that are still there have been playing together for a long time. So by week three, they're ready to go. So it doesn't mean we're doomed if we don't look good yet, but... If we can get up to the point of things starting to gel, we'll get a real opportunity to see how good this team can be because Tampa is that, that litmus test. And if we can go in there and play big boy football where our, our defense is making easy work of this and we can get pressure on Brady despite their solid offensive line and we can see Rashawn and Preston and Kenny and, and, and Wyatt 
just wreck some stuff. And we see guys flying around and suddenly we're looking like that Georgia defense where everybody's flying and everybody's making plays and it is so stingy. And then again, on offense, the offensive line is, is making some holes in the run game and Rodgers is looking crisp with his wide receivers. And, and, you know, again, maybe it doesn't happen. And if it does, maybe it doesn't happen by week three, but this will be kind of a, a, a real big test because the expectation is you're not going to be able to do that against Tampa, period. But I don't know. It'll be interesting. Anyways, uh, why don't we go ahead and take a break? Got to find a random spot. We'll go through these other ones a little bit more quickly. That one, by the way, is an afternoon game, nothing super special. But um, please remember, we've still got our fundraiser for Drew, uh, trying to help him get his seizure service dog. Uh, Thank you to Old Southern Barbecue in Hudson, Wisconsin for the $50 donation. It's pretty slick. I don't know why more businesses don't do that. Cheapest possible way to get some some exposure. So kudos to them for being creative with it. Uh, We are at $4,980. That puts us at $2,460 short of, of Drew being able to uh, get his dog, which again, is going to be a pretty life-changing thing for him. So if anybody has a little bit of this, a little bit of that, it would be greatly appreciated. I think I just realized what that $50 donation is too. Jacob, if you took that 50 I gave you and turned around and gave it to Drew, I'm just going to... I mean, it's nice of you, but would you just ever let me give you anything? Anyways... Some people, I tell you what. Also, don't forget about A Modern Frontier, amodernfrontier.com. Gets you a big old box of meat. Use promo code MEATPACKER, one word, all caps. You get $25 off your order. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. We are officially back. I uh, also want to make you aware, which, I mean, you'll find out when you get the notification, but um, 
Clayton put out a uh, post-schedule release episode, so he's got an additional one. Um, I think he's just loving this whole podcasting thing. Pretty soon he's just going to come to me and be like, you know what, man, appreciate everything, but I'm going to start my own daily podcast because he went from one to two and now he's got three days. <laughs> I think he's just, he's digging it. And I dig that he's digging it. But uh, he's got an episode coming out today. I just got it scheduled. We were hoping to get it done yesterday, but I go to bed um, like I'm 90 years old at uh, 8 o'clock. And I think he had his ready to go at like 9-ish, something like that. I don't know. I was sleeping. I don't know. But I got it up this morning, and it's scheduled for 1 o'clock, so you'll have an additional episode. So be on the lookout for that. Continuing with our schedule. After the road game against Tampa, we come back home against the New England Patriots on October 2nd. This is an afternoon game on Sunday on CBS. New England is a, is a tough team because I never really know what they are anymore. I'm always kind of scared of New England, but also like, do you, don't you suck now or are you kind of good again? I don't know. Because I know you sucked when Tom left, but then you kind of suddenly became a good team and I was really annoyed by that. But then also your quarterback, who was really good to start the season, Mac, kind of became maybe not so good. But then, like, the rest of your team, I don't know. And then you drafted a guy that, like, I'm laughing at, but maybe he's good. I don't really know. But just as a refresher, last year they did go 10-7. and seven. Uh, They ranked sixth on offense and second on defense. If my memory serves me correctly, their uh, point differential, which is a big metric that kind of just says how good you are at football. It's how badly you beat teams. They were one of the best, which is, you know, super annoying, but it's just the thing that happened. But again, I think it'll be a pretty good litmus test game, even though the the players on the field aren't nearly as talented as what you'll find, for example, in Tampa. There are some impressive attributes to this team. And I think the bigger thing is it's Bill Belichick, right? It's kind of similar to play in the 49ers, even when they're kind of down and you look at the players and go, eh, it's not that good. It's still Shanahan. And, you know, you're, you're going up against an intelligent play caller, et cetera, et cetera. And so you look at the Patriots and, you know, they've got a great offensive line like always. Mac Jones graded as the 11th best quarterback in football, obviously. They've always got a good stable of running backs. Uh, the wide receivers, not super impressive. Um, you know, the defensive line, not great. The corners, really not great, which is going to be tough for them because that's kind of their bread and butter is the DBs, and they lost a bunch of their DBs. And as far as what they did in, um, in the draft, I mean, they did get Marcus Jones in the third round. And they, they kind of doubled up. They got Jack Jones in round four. But um, yeah, they got guard Cole Strange. They got wide receiver Tyquan Thornton real early, a lot earlier than everybody thought. Big speed threat guy. But um, if there's anything I'm comfortable with, it's it's the fact that we can handle guys that are just nothing but speed. And I, I you know, maybe Tyquan's more than that, but by week four of his rookie season, is he going to be more than a guy that runs fast? Probably not. Do we have enough speed to cover it? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you know, they they added a goal, a, a guard to continue with a great offensive line, added a, a speed threat wide receiver to a group of not great wide receivers. They did get a couple corners, but I think their cornerback group goes down significantly. They added another running back, which is not super important. Then they got Bailey Zappi, who serves no purpose. Another running back after that, which again, shrug. And then, you know, now we're in the back of the sixth round. You got Sam Roberts, edge rusher, uh, Chasen Hines, which is... Uh, Coach Hahn guy, he went round six and then another tackle. So they, they loaded up massively on an offensive line that's already really good. They loaded up on running back, which they already have. They got a quarterback, which they already have. The only real contributions to this team, I mean, Cole Strange, again, they, they need a spot, that one guard spot that they filled fine. But uh, yeah, the, 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 
the first four picks maybe, and after that is, is kind of useless. And I don't know how much of that actually contributes, but um, th- this is going to be a kind of a matching of wits game with, with our head coach against their head coach, because this is going to be a disciplined football team that's not going to make a lot of mistakes. And if we're a better team, then we, you know, we just need to play smart, call the right plays, make the right plays that are in front of us, and we should win the game because we are a better team. But the Patriots are just, they're going to they're gonna utilize what they have, even if it's limited, to the absolute best of their ability. So it's, it's one of those should-win games, but certainly I'm not putting money on that one. Um, follow that up with the, uh, another home. So we get a home stretch, which is great. So it's kind of, it's kind of good-bad, right? We, we got the Bears game, which should be a win. The road game against Tampa is going to be tough. But then we get three straight home games. We should beat New England at home. We should beat the Giants at home. Um, oh, you know what? That's home in quotes. That's actually in uh, England. I was going to say 8.30. Oh, that's right. That's in London. Um, and then we're home against the New York uh, Jets. Now, the the negative there, and a lot of people have mentioned this, is there's no bye after the London trip, which is what you would expect. And it's not even like Sunday night or Monday the next week. It's Sunday at noon. So um, they're playing New York. And, you know, crazier stuff can happen. But if, if you're going to have kind of a rough stretch, it's the Giants followed by the Jets. And the fact of the matter is these are not good teams. The Giants were 4-13 and 13 last year. Their wins were an overtime victory against the Saints, so that was obviously very close. Um, they beat the Raiders by 7, and they beat the Eagles 13-7. to seven. The only win that was kind of impressive, and I guess 13-7 to seven is impressive from the defensive standpoint, the offense is pathetic, they beat the Panthers 25-23. to 23. And you look at those wins and say, okay, but... Like 7 points, 16 points, 3 points, 21 points. That sounds like a solid defense. No, it's just that when the defense balled out, they won. Otherwise, they didn't win because they had the worst offense in football and the defense was pretty garbage outside of those games. They ranked 23rd in the NFL. So um, I actually am looking forward to this because not only are we going to showcase everything in London and there's, you know, concerns about jet lag and all that, but really think about this. You have a defense that's finally starting to gel, finally starting to figure it out. You've got an international audience. First time they get to see the Packers up close and personal, and what are they going to see? They're going to see a scary, lethal, fast-paced, high-flying defense going up against one of the worst offenses in football. This has the opportunity to be a slaughter. And I think that's a great thing. I love that we're playing an international game. I love that we go up in front of a different audience. I love that these guys get to see us up close and personal because although there are going to be Packer fans there and probably some Giants fans there, there's going to be a lot of people that don't really have allegiances. They like the NFL. Maybe they've never watched the NFL and they're getting dragged there by a friend. And what are they going to see? They're going to watch the Green Bay Packers decimate the Giants. And I think that's kind of cool. And again, you come back and you play the Jets. That's another 4-13 four, four and 13 team. And there's, there's a lot of talk about, yeah, but it's Robert Sala and all that. Listen, no offense to Robert Sala. The guy's proven nothing, right? He proved to be a good defensive coordinator when he was with the Jets, maybe. I mean, there, there are times when the defense is good and we give all the credit to the defensive coordinator and then they go on somewhere else and they're not very good. He didn't even go somewhere else to prove he's a great defensive coordinator. He went straight to head coach and the team was garbage. And the worst part about it, it was the defense that was the worst. It was the dead, it was, they were dead last. The worst defense in football. We, well, it's the players. Okay. Well, it was the players in San Francisco too. The point is, if you're a great defensive coordinator, you get the best out of your guys. And even, and by the way, they don't have the worst defensive roster in football. That's ludicrous. I'm not saying it's great, but there's plenty of pieces to figure something out. 
Quinnen Williams the year before was the 12th ranked defensive tackle in all of football. Last year, Salah's first year, 37th. He fell off the planet. C.J. Mosley, here are his grades uh, from 2016 to 2019. 76, 72, 73, 75. Last year, 42. One of the worst linebackers in football. It's not about the players are bad. It's about the players were terrible under Salah. So, whatever. Um, am I nervous about playing Salah? No. The guy's proven nothing. Again, the worst defensive football. So, listen, if, if we're playing Tampa Bay or, um, you know, a division rival, Lions, Bears, Vikings, any other kind of competent team, I'd be pretty upset. But we have the opportunity to come home, get as much rest as is humanly possible. It's not going to be an easy game as far as, you know, being ready, being prepared, being fully here. But at least it's at home, and at least it's the Jets, who are, you know, one of the worst teams in football. And I don't necessarily see that changing. Now, the, the potential concern is the offense. Um, Wilson was a, Zach Wilson was terrible last year, but if Zach Wilson takes a step, this is a good offensive line. They've got Corey Davis, who, you know, granted he was trash last year, but in 2020, he was very good. He was the 10th ranked wide receiver in football. They drafted Garrett Wilson in the first round and they have Elijah Moore going into his second year, uh, as a slot guy. And he was pretty good as a rookie. So they've got three wide receivers. They've got a good offensive line. That would be the only concern. But again, if the defense is really clicking at this point, I don't care, especially with with Wilson. I mean, if he's taking strides, great, but he's still a young and experienced guy, and the Packers are going to have... That's the, that's the cool thing about having this many guys. When you're loaded with this much talent, you're able to really be confusing, right? If you just have a couple key pieces, you you don't trust your players enough to really do any wild and crazy stuff. You, you pretty much need to stick to the basics just to get through the day-to-day. But then again, beyond that, Aaron Rodgers and this offense are going to carve up this defense. Unless Salah can finally figure it out and, and make these guys not like the worst unit and literally the worst unit in football, this is going to be rough. And yes, they went out and got Sauce Gardner. Congratulations to them. That doesn't change the fact that this defense is trash. You got Jermaine Johnson too. Great. You took great defensive players and turned them into garbage. So let's fix that first before we start talking about how these rookies are going to be great. Um, after that, we got a little bit of a tough stretch and, and granted that sucks because we maybe have had a tough stretch this whole time. I mean, to be honest, you could look at this with a pretty negative view. The Vikings week one is rough. The, uh, week three against Tampa on the road is rough. New England can be kind of rough. Then we go, uh, across the pond to New York, which is going to be rough no matter what. I mean, that's just a tough trip. Then we don't get a bye. We got to come back and play another game, which is rough. Then we get three games on the road in a row, which is rough, you know? Washington, you know, not not the the best team in the world, but always that team that Washington is the same team all the time. They've got a great defensive line, scary enough defense, really good offensive line, and I mean it's just it's it's the same thing every single year, and that's what they've got. They've got a great offensive line. They've got a great defensive line with Young and Sweat and Allen and Payne. Uh, Wentz is going to be quarterback here, which you know I know Wentz doesn't really scare too many people, but you give him a great offensive line, give him some wide receiver weapons, which he has. He's got Terry McLaurin, who's a great wide receiver. You got Curtis Samuel. I was thinking Debo Samuel. It's Curtis Samuel, who's decent enough. And then they drafted Jahan Dotson, who's a who's a really nice complement to the sort of bigger, bulkier guys that they've got. So, I mean, plenty of opportunities for our defense to be able to handle this and our, our offense to be able to handle the defense. But it's, it's one of those teams where if they can just get into a groove where they're getting consistent pressure on Rodgers with that defensive line and, um, 
you know, our offense at all struggles with this this group on offense. I mean, there, there's potential struggles there. Um, at Buffalo, don't need to explain why that's a rough situation. I mean, Buffalo is one of the best teams in football, if not the best. I know they didn't win the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter. Just like it doesn't matter that the Packers didn't win the Super Bowl doesn't mean they're not better than the Rams. I think they are. I think I, I don't think you had the best NFC or AFC team in the Super Bowl. That's just what happened to happen. But that'll be a Sunday night game. Um, and then you follow that up with a Detroit game, which again, we're kind of get raked over the coals because we're on the road. First of all, this is our third week in a row now, Thir- three straight road games. And then this is a short week with a Sunday night game followed by a road game against Detroit. And this time it is against a divisional opponent. And so this is a really tough stretch. And then we come home, but it's against Dallas. And Dallas is a good team. So this, this, is, a, this is a brutal situation. And then we're home again, but it's against Tennessee. And Tennessee is a decent football team. I don't know exactly what they are these days, but these are good football teams. And then uh, you follow that up with two more road games, back-to-back road games, Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a competent enough football team. I mean, again, they're, they're, they're a team that is still, I think, built on their older players. Um, and so, you know, you look at that offensive line with Kelsey at center, who's on the verge of retirement. He's still playing at a high level, but, you know, we'll see what happens. You've still got um, Lane Johnson, 32 years old, playing at right tackle. And then the, the defensive line is, is really, the age is really starting to help hurt the defensive line in a way that it hasn't quite hit the offensive line yet. We'll see what happens this year. But Brandon Graham... Uh, 34 years old. He just completely fell off a cliff last year. Granted, he didn't hardly play, but that's not that's not helping the case. You know, the fact that he was also injured in his 34. Uh, Fletcher Cox, same kind of situation. I mean, it's 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 a scary name, no question about it. But the last two years, he's fallen off. 2019, he had an 89.5 overall grade, which is what he was for the last like six years. Then in 2020, he dropped to a 74. Last year, a 68. So he's clearly spiraling downward. But, you know, you got Jalen Hurts um, and, and kind of questions about where he's at and does he take a step. You've got uh, Devontae Smith, who's really, really solid as a rookie. Um, you got A.J. Brown over there now, who's a great wide receiver. Dallas Goddard graded out as the second best um, tight end in football. So that's, it's a solid unit on offense. So again, it, it's it's a you know, depending on how you read it, you can look at it glass half full, you can look at it glass half empty. If you got a glass half empty look at this, um, it's been rough up to this point. And then we're back on the road. We still haven't had a bye yet. Brutal schedule as far as, as travel and, and not really getting breaks after late games and overseas games. Back on the road to Philly. And again, we got to see what this Philly team is. I'm guessing the defense is not going to be great. They did add uh, Jordan Davis to that defensive line, trying to re-bolster all that. So we'll see where where he's at with that. Um, after that, they got center Cam Jurgens. I think that's just going to be an eventual replacement. I don't think he plays. Uh, they did get Nicobe Dean in the third round, so we'll see. You know, see where that stands. But that's about it as far as their draft class. They only had two other sixth round picks after that. One of them being tight end Grant Calcaterra. Calcaterra. So I, I think it's just going to be those those two guys more or less, unless the center is going to play guard. I don't know. But again, it's it's still tough. I mean, Philly's always tough on the road. Um, and if, if Jalen takes a step, then then it's getting to be a little little scary. And then you follow that up with another road game. This time again, it's Chicago. So that should be should be a, a, a coasting kind of thing. I mean, again, it's it's been kind of rough, but this will be, this should be a win either way. Again, I, I just, I have no respect for Chicago. 
similar to the the Jets and the Giants, where I, I I don't have a ton of fear about those games. And after the Chicago game is our bye. I also failed to mention one of the other benefits. The Tennessee game is a Thursday night game. So it's not great. I mean, again, glass half empty. We've got our three road games. We come home, we face Dallas, um, and then we have a short week to play Tennessee because we play that very next Thursday. So that's not super great. However, you get a longer week and you finally get a little bit of extra rest before you hit the road and hit Philly. Then you get your sort of uh, your, your pre-bye week playing Chicago. Then you get your official bye week in week 14. And then again, we're home against LA, which is great because we, we played Chicago. That should be a win. We get our bye week. Then we stay home again and play LA, which I think we beat LA. It's one of those teams that I think is a good football team, but also we, we're, we just, we beat LA. It's what we do. It's kind of like San Francisco where it's the opposite, where you feel nervous no matter what, even if we have the better roster. I think we beat LA. Uh, then we're on the road against Miami. I'm not scared of Miami the way a lot of people are. Um, fact of the matter is Tua is a bad quarterback. There's a lot of overhype in the media about Tua. They try to make him into something that he's not. All the all the hype videos about Tyreek, it was hilarious. There was a one video that came out. I think PFF did it, and they were like, here's a video of Tua throwing a rocket to Tyreek. And first of all, they slowed the video down. So even if it's a rocket, you can't see it. And I would assume if it was a rocket, you wouldn't have slowed it down. But you see Tyreek when the, you know, because you're following the ball through the air. And all you see is Tyreek having to like come to a stop and reach all the way back to grab it. Like, oh, this is a, such a nightmare. It's it's so bad. But um, yeah, I mean, decent enough offensive line. You got Waddle, Wilson, and Hill, which is a great wide receiver group. But two is just bad. And a team with a bad quarterback isn't good at football. And there's a ton of hype about the defense. And granted, Holland had a good year. And you got some pieces with, with Wilkins there. But um, I'm not super impressed with the corners. You know, Xavier Howard was elite in 2020, but Xavier was one of those guys who was elite because of picks. And anytime you get a guy that's dominant because of picks, and I'm looking at digs, the very next year, you're probably going to fall off because it's not sustainable. And so he went from an 87 overall grade, second best corner in football down to 24th best corner in football, 70.9 overall grade. And that's your best corner. Um, As far as pass rushers, you got Agba and, and not much else. Linebackers are not great. Safeties, you got Holland and that's it. So, I mean, as far as pieces, you've got a couple good defensive linemen, a decent corner, and a real good safety. And this is like this scariest, most dominant defense anybody's ever seen, apparently. Like, I, I just I just don't see it. Maybe it's like a Kansas City Chiefs thing where I look at the players and go, the players aren't good, but they just put a good product on the field because of, you know, great coaching or whatever, which again is why Sala gets no pass on this. But uh, even even last year, you know, they had they they ranked 16th. And by the way, Flores is gone. So I mean, if he's the one that coordinated all this and made like the defense super great and all that, dude's gone. And there's the whole controversy thing there and so now we're dealing with Mike McDaniel and you know, I know he gets a lot of positive press for being a goofball, but the dude's a freaking goofball. So, you know, I don't know. I just have a hard time believing Mr. Goofball is going to have the same intensity as a great defensive player as you got from a great defensive mind when you have the offensive goofball coming in. Just saying, I you know we'll see. Um, and then we are our best. So after the buy is actually quite solid. Um, it's the the Rams, which is a Monday night game. So so there's even more rest. There's an additional day, and you have a a shortened week. Obviously, December 25th, but it's a noon game. It's it's in Miami, so you know nice weather on Christmas will be a nice welcome change. It's not like advantage Miami because it's probably going to be what 70 degrees. I I think they'll be fine. 
And then uh, two home games to end the season against divisional opponents. So that'll be a night. Even if even if it was a rocky season, I think the last four games very well, or not even. You got Chicago, bye week, Rams at home, Dolphins on the road, and then back-to-back home games against Vikings and Detroit. And again, who knows what happens with the Vikings, but obviously whatever the Packers are going to be, they're going to be, they're going to be it by this point. And um, if they are a competitor, if they are this dominant defense, if the offense ever clicks, it'll be ready by this point. And so if we're looking at this saying, I don't know if they're going to be able to beat the, the Vikings, either the Vikings are a lot better than we thought or the Packers are not as good as we thought. So going into the season with the assumption that this defense is really going to be good and the offense is really going to figure it out at some point, I think that we should be comfortable winning these last two games. But, you know, we're, we're pretty far away from that at this point. Who knows? Um, as far as scheduling, nothing else super crazy. Again, Miami is at noon on Christmas. Minnesota's an afternoon game on uh, New Year's Eve. And then uh, Detroit is to be determined. We don't have a, a date and time for that quite yet. But uh, January 8th, so that is on a Sunday. So as far as days off, I don't think I'm getting a ton here. I get the uh, Sunday, September 18th against Chicago. I'm going to take that Monday off. And we got afternoon game, afternoon game, early London game, noon, noon, uh, Buffalo Sunday night. So I can take that Monday and noon, then 325. And then, and then I get the really fun stretch here because you got the Monday night game followed by Thursday. So I'll be taking like Tuesday, Friday off. That's going to be a great week. And that's like, that's like birthday week. November 30th is my birthday and the Philadelphia game is Thursday, November 27th. I might just take Thursday, Friday off and take the whole stupid week off. I'm going to show up on like, what, Monday, Wednesday and just call it? Like, that's it. I don't know. And then, uh, or I'm sorry, that was Sunday night, right? I'm all confused. No, Tennessee is Thursday and then Philly is Sunday. That's backwards. And then Monday is the LA game. All right, well, whatever. Figure it out. But that's it. I mean, it's so hard to say. And and again, this is probably why a lot of people are like, the, the schedule release is stupid because we don't know anything yet. But a lot of it really comes down to what are the Packers this year? If the Packers are struggling, if the defense isn't as good as we think that they are, if they don't really hit that full stride potential, if the offense struggles to get going, I mean, this is a rough schedule. I mean, right out of the gate, Minnesota week one, Tampa week three, New England week four. Um, Then you're going to London. Then you come back the very next week. Then you're on the road for three straight weeks. Then you get, you know, two home games, but one of them is on a short week. You get Dallas in the afternoon, and then you got a short week playing uh, Tennessee, and then you're right back on the road for two straight weeks. Then you come out of your bye against the LA Rams. Then you're back on the road. And then you come back home to two divisional opponents. I mean, just just verbalizing it that way, it's not it's not great. Then you've got some, you know, additional things that Andy Herman pointed out on Twitter. Commanders play Thursday night football before we play them. So they get an extra long week before we, we play them in their home stadium. The Bills bye week is before we meet the Bills. So not only is that a rough game to begin with, we're on a very long road stretch. That's during our three-game stretch, I believe. We got to go out to Buffalo. We got to play one of the better teams in football, and they're coming off a bye. The Cowboys, same thing. We've got a, a that's the, the first game that, uh, yeah, that's our first home game. We're finally coming home after three straight games on the road, and uh, they're coming off a bye week. The Dolphins get an additional game over us because we're playing Monday night football, so they get a one-game advantage, and it's in Miami. And then because of that, um, because of the whole Christmas holiday, the Vikings actually play on the 24th, not the 25th. So they're playing Saturday. So they're also going to get a one-game advantage over us. So additional issues with the con- with the uh, the schedule and some additional struggles. But 
Um, you know, like anything else, it comes down to how good are the Packers. If they're a good football team, they'll overcome this and they'll win the games they need to win, right? Uh, they'll, they'll get their 12, 13 wins, whatever, go into the playoffs, and then it's just a matter of, uh, you know, what kind of a team are they? Are they ready to finally get that that Super Bowl victory or not? Um, if they're not as good as we think, then yeah, this this could be a rough season. We got to see. And, and and beyond that, the the other issue with doing what we're doing right now is we don't know what any of these teams are. The Vikings might be real good. The Vikings might be trash. Tampa Bay might be real good. Tampa Bay might be trash. New England, same thing. The Giants and Jets, maybe one of them takes a step. I don't know. Washington, no idea what they're going to be. Buffalo, do they stay up? I mean, last year was about as good of a team as, as we've seen from a lot of different metric standpoints. I mean, just dominant. Do they take a step back? Do they stay up? Do they maybe somehow get better? Detroit, no idea. Are they still complete garbage? Do they take a big step? Dallas, don't know. Tennessee, don't know. Philly, don't know. I'm skipping Chicago because I'm, I'm standing on my assessment of Chicago. I mean, you know, there's still a range, but not, not to the degree of, of teams that are actually quite good because any team can completely fall off. So they've got a, if you were good last year, you've got a big range. And some of the teams that maybe weren't great potentially could be great. I just don't put Chicago in that category. LA, I don't know what they're going to be. Miami, pretty big range, especially with the turnover and the controversies and all that. And, and you've got a young quarterback that maybe takes a step. And even if he doesn't, you've got a guy from, you know, another San Francisco guy. So maybe he can kind of change this, the scheme and all that to take it off of Tua and they start to get going. And who knows, you know, so a million different variables. We'll, we'll obviously go through it week by week when we get there. But at first glance, I, I think it's a, I think it's a pretty not fun schedule. You know the the who was it? The Seattle Seahawks put out a video where they were pulling a prank on their team, where they made it seem like it was a really rough schedule, and everybody was super mad about it. And you know, one of the things in particular that they did, on top of a bunch of other stuff, is they said we don't get a bye week after we go to Germany, and everybody freaked out. Like, dude, how is that even possible? And they're like, we're we're kidding. And obviously, how how did you actually believe this is real? It, it looks oddly similar to what the Packers are dealing with. They don't get a bye week after London. They were also upset that they had to do holidays. They were like, we have to do Thanksgiving and Christmas. The Packers have to do Christmas and New Year's. So there, I, I have a feeling there's a lot of Packers that heard this schedule and uh, were not super thrilled with it, but. It is what it is, man. I mean, when you're at the top, you're expected to do more. And, you know, if you're a good football team, you'll overcome it. And as long as you're good enough to get into the playoffs, I think that's that's really all that matters. Because, you know, if, if you are hampered by a schedule, once you get into the playoffs, that all goes by. By the real question, the ultimate question, assuming we're in the playoffs, which I absolutely do, the ultimate question is, what are you by the time week 19 rolls around, right? Once the playoffs roll around, what is your offense? What is your defense? You know, whether it's from a health standpoint, a talent standpoint, whatever, what are you? And I think that's where a lot of the optimism lies. Whether we, whether we get that figured out by week three, week seven, week 14, 15, 16, as long as we're in the playoffs and as long as we've, we've got it figured out and we are at our peak, we've got the offense, the defense, and the special teams finally figured out, who cares? Who cares if we limp in with nine wins? As long as we're in and as long as we're ready to compete. Not trying to build in excuses already, but that's that is my stance as of right now. That's the only thing that matters. It's going to make for a less enjoyable regular season watching them, but you know, ultimately that's the reality. So, anyways, I got to get out of here. You folks have yourselves a fantastic. Uh, is it Friday? Is it Friday? It's Friday. I knew that, but I forgot, and then I remembered, but I wasn't positive, and I didn't want to get excited until I knew for sure. But it's Friday. Enjoy your Friday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. 
Bye-bye.